Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Zero Dark Nerdy, the world's most notorious pop culture podcast brought to you by betonline.ag for all your sports betting needs. The Believe Podcast Network, that is B-L-E-A-V. And if you're here in the triad area, be sure to check out Red Cinemas for all your cinematic adventures. Check out their website for movie times, redcinemas.com. Today's episode, we are going to be covering the 50-year anniversary of one of the greatest flicks of all time, The Godfather. We got Captain Cleveland in the building, Ryan Saba, and the none other than the one and only Michael Torek. Say hello to everybody out there. <laughs> hey, hello, everybody out there. <laughs> so glad to have you guys on here, especially you, Michael. You've been, uh, you've, this is probably what, your third or fourth episode with us now, I believe? I think the this is maybe the third. Yeah, I'm honored. This, is the, this is the first time we've been on together. Oh yeah, I've never, oh, I've yeah. never, I've never uh, been on an episode with Michael before, so it's an honor, man. Huge fan, right? Oh well, thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that. There you go. Well, if he decides not to come back, I know who to blame, Saber. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Michael, let's uh, let's start with you in terms of the Godfather. I know it's not your first time watching it, but you literally are fresh off of watching it, and just what it means to you as a film fan, as an actor, you know, everything under the sun. Yeah. Right. That is a huge question. You know, it's interesting. Cause I, it was so much fun revisiting this movie because I spent the weekend trying to figure out when the last time was that I actually watched it from start to finish. And I don't know that I can recall, mm-hmm. but I remember just watching it again. I was like, Oh my God, everything about this movie is what, made me excited as an actor. I mean, how could you every every Italian kid growing up in that time period wanted to be Marlon Brando, right? We all put the things in our lips and we talked like this and we did this and we're making monothory and I can't do it and I won't even try. Uh, but the very first scene, I just, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm speechless because the movie's so good and I literally did just come off of watching it. But it, it, you know, came from a time when uh, that was, I mean, that style of acting was was f- kind of new. I mean, maybe not new. It was but it was just this real underplayed, quiet uh, style of acting and real subtle. Uh, I, I watched a lot of the uh, I have the DVD box set, an old one. And so I watched some special features and it was fascinating to watch. Uh, them sort of in the making of looking behind the scenes, if you will. And I was uh, uh, kind of shocked to see and hear, and I don't want to take anything from your little nuts, but they tried to fire Pacino mm-hmm. halfway through the filming of the movie because the studio didn't like what he was doing. Yeah, And it wasn't until the Salazzo scene when he goes into the, into the restaurant and he shoots the two guys in the head where they're like, holy, this guy's really got some chops, right? And so everything just about that ability to literally be understated and playing the subtext and letting the camera do the work uh, is just inspiring as an actor, not to mention as an Italian man who has a bit of a mafia fascination anyway, I fell in love with that movie on a whole nother level anyway. So uh, I don't know that I answered your question because I'm still just sort of (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm still overwhelmed by the the power of that film. 
Well, I mean, you know, and it's it speaks volumes because, you know, you just got done watching it. And I feel like Godfather is one of those films where when you watch it, 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 it does feel like the first time over and over again. You know, it's not one that you can get bored with. It's 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 just I mean, it's definitely stood the test of time. You know, I mean, this was one of the highest grossing films of all time during that time period. And I'm really glad you mentioned that as far as the tone of the film, because during that time period, there was. Uh, you know, I think it was competing against films like Cabaret, you know, these comedies, these musicals. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of very serious, you know, dramas out there, per se, especially for Paramount. They were known more for the comedy side, for the action film. So this was definitely a different approach of what Hollywood was doing. And this was actually one of the first films that uh, had uh, ever had a nationwide release, because during that time period, they would release the film at certain on certain markets, you know, usually L.A. first, New York. Miami, and then it would kind of come towards the middle into, you know, the Midwest and things like that. And just, it would be a slow rollout. And this was one that they took a big chance on because they wanted to go ahead and get it out there and start the buzz early. Right. That's amazing. And, you know, compare it to some of the movies that you talked to again, to backtrack to the acting side of things. It's just, it's so subtle and it's so simple and it's so honest that you just I, it's it's inspiring to watch to think that I mean all you have to do is just sit there and let the camera do the work uh, for some of it uh, and also Coppola I mean is ridiculous in his directing and his ability to tell a story with a camera uh, even just that op- that very opening scene with the reverse dolly shot as it pulls away with the guy. You don't even see Brando for like the first four minutes of the movie. And then it reveals the Paul bear. Yeah. It's just like brilliant. Bonus Santa. Bonus Santa. So Ryan, what, what was your kind of first, I mean, look, first take of watching it and then just over time. Look, man, there's, (laughs) this is my favorite movie. I mean, it, it really is uh, where to start. So, you know, I've always been fascinated by by the the organized crime genre. I just, you know, I took to it at an early age. And what I would say is this is, pun intended, the godfather of the organized crime genre. Um, what I love most about this movie, uh, this film, excuse me, we are we are with a we we are with somebody who who makes films for a living or is in the film industry. So I think I should speak speak normal or speak you know with with a little bit of respect so the point is this is one of those films that it's on amc or it's on amc i think is the one that runs it the most and they'll run they'll do a you know godfather one godfather two godfather three sometimes marathon and it's on with commercials for almost 24 hours i mean it is an epic family film that. The acting is, I mean, you think about the cast, Pacino, Bobby Duvall, uh, Jimmy Kahn. I'm talking about these guys like they're my brothers, right? Like, you know, but Talia Shire, um, her name's, skip my name, who plays Kay Hagan. Um, oh, um, uh, yeah, Kay, uh, Diane Keaton. Like, you think, of, you, you talk about the cast of this movie and you start to, were the, are they all amazing actors because this springboarded the majority of their careers? Obviously not Brando, but the rest of them. Or were they always destined for greatness in this, you know, um, Coppola was just able to put this cast together. 
I don't know, but it's one of those rewatchables. It's something you watch over and over again. There's no miss. Uh, John Cazal, who plays Fredo. I mean, oh God, he he's phenomenal. Um, I will tell you a story. So number one, I've read, I've, I've seen all the movies, read all the books. I've got the box sets. I had the box set on VHS still somewhere in a box. It's either at my house or at my parents' house, you know, the, the double. But um, when I was in school, my first year of college, I went to a small school up in uh, northwestern Ohio called Bowling Green. They had one of those old school cinemas up on Main Street. Think the Carolina Theater. For those of you that are in Greensboro, where it's got the seating, it's got the curtain that pulls back. But they actually showed videos on a reel. So I went like a Tuesday night or a Monday night or whatever they were doing, like a, like an old movie, whatever night and where they would do, they would do Rocky Horror one week. You know, they would do all those old films that everybody likes to go see. So I went and saw The Godfather. There was two fucking intermissions. Like they had intermissions <laughs> and the whole nine yards. So I got there at like six o'clock and with intermissions and just that movies, the runtime on that thing's almost four hours anyways, I think. So we're talking, you know, I'm walking home back down Main Street at like 11 o'clock at night. But I will always remember that. And the other thing, um, you know, we talk about the acting. We talk about the cast. We talk about Coppola, his directing style. I mean, this this film isn't the same without him. The mark that he leaves on it. I took a film class at UNCG. Shout out to G, the Spartans. uh, During my undergrad there. Um, where, when I finished my undergrad there, a lot of colleges I went to. So that's a whole, that, that's a, that's a different, that's a different episode. But uh, I, t- I had a film class and we actually kind of had to, you know, in those film classes, you study the different types of shots, the different angles, the different lighting and all that. So we had to kind of show a scene that we really loved uh, from a movie and, and talk through it and talk about the directing style and the lighting and all that. So I selected the scene uh, after they shoot Sonny at the causeway where Brand- Brando's still um kind of weak and feeble mm-hmm. from the uh from the assassination attempt by the uh the Turk and he comes down and Tom Hagen's sitting there and it's lit very darkly and he's like you know you he's like I'm hearing people coming and going my wife's crying you needed to have a drink so tell me what you need to say you know the shot cunt they shot Sonny on the causeway and he kind of does his Brando thing and he takes the deep breath and he's like, you know, I'll make all inquiries, collects himself. And then they go to the um, they go to the mortuary where Bonacera is at. And he's like, now you owe me my favor. And you see the lighting and they pull the, the sheet away. And he looks down and he's just looking at him. He said, look how they massacred my boy. That sort of four or five minute sequence of that movie with the lighting, the acting, the emotion um, it touched me enough at 19, 20 years old to talk about it in a in a film class. So I'll always remember that the two big takeaways is me watching the 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 version, the actual version, the way it was shown in 1972 or whatever, when the film came out on reels with intermissions and talking about it in a film class. So 
I could talk about this film forever, but I, I am I am I am a huge fan and I'm disappointed. And Brian, maybe this is a good time to transition. Mm-hmm. I have not watched the series with Miles Teller on Paramount Plus the offer. I will. A lot mm-hmm. of great a lot of great television out there, as we all know. So it's tough to stay on top of everything. I'm in a success, I'm down a succession rabbit hole right now. Uh, <laughs> not to change the subject, but that is a phenomenal, phenomenal television show. But I'm just curious about the offer and you know, without giving away too much, to talk about that because you've been the last couple of times I've seen you, you've been kind of in my ear going, you know, have you seen the offer yet? Have you seen the offer yet? Yeah, so I I did not know too much about this. I think I had a free like three week trial, one month trial of Paramount Plus, uh, something like that, and uh, I see it on there. You know, say uh, and I talk all the time about how big Miles Teller's fans that we are. So uh, you know, I check it out, and let me tell you, um, I only watched the first four because, of course, by the time I started the free trial, it was like four days left. Uh, so, but on top of that too, mm-hmm. the, the series itself wasn't done yet either. That, so that's what it was. It wasn't done yet. Um, it, it was week by week. So now it is done. So if you do have Paramount plus, or if you have opportunity to go ahead and get your 30 day free trial, I highly recommend it. So I don't want to give away too much because it's amazing to see how much this movie almost did not get made. It's it's, it, I mean, the budget was only $5 million. There was a point where Paramount almost sold it to another studio because they were kind of siphoning money and and trying to figure out what's what, because they were also they were owned at the time by Gulf Western, I believe, which was the the head company. And it's a lot of different characters. And uh, I got to tell you, Miles does a great job as Al Ruddy, the producer who put it all together, a a, a newish producer in Hollywood. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, you know, this may date people a little bit, but he's a guy that came up with Hogan's Heroes. That was his shot in Hollywood. And then um, he did a movie called Fosse and um, it was some motorcycle movie with uh, with Robert Redford. But that was so he only had a, a little bit under his belt and his first real gig was putting together The Godfather, which they bought the rights for for only fifteen thousand dollars at the time, which is wow. insane. Insane. Like I said, I don't want to give away too much because there's a lot of a lot of things going on here. You get to see a lot of Joe Colombo, uh, who who was very instrumental in getting the movie made. You know, the book got a lot of backlash originally from the mafia community. Sinatra, not a big fan of the book, especially the character in the book. He thought it was based on him. So you see Sinatra in the show. Um, you know, but the but the cast is is just outstanding. And then just kind of seeing just seeing it put together is the best thing. That's what, like, I don't want to give away too much because even though we've all seen one of the greatest movies of all time, watching the show and just seeing it come together and all the like nitpicking and, and things that they had to do. And then interference with the mafia interference with the government, even sometimes uh, like internal conflicts, you know, it, it's, it's just great to see great acting. I believe it's 10 episodes long. Giovanni Rabisi plays Joe Colombo. Mm. Um, and it's during the the kind of like Columbo Wars a little bit between him and Crazy Joe Gallo on top of that. So you have real life mafia elements going on into, yes, it's a mafia movie, but most importantly, it's a movie about family. And uh, that's kind of what's really stressed throughout the show and the different characters and everything going on in the middle of it. So check it out. It's, uh, yeah, Paramount Plus. It, it's great television. Just watch it, especially if you are a fan of The Godfather, 
This is a, a must watch for you. Sinatra didn't like the the Johnny Fontaine portrayal. No. You can act like a man. <laughs> Love Not it at all. Yeah. I should tell you that in the uh, in the special features, going back to your story, uh, Ryan, that uh, Rob, Bobby Duvall has a great story about how when he's on film and he's acting on film, he doesn't like to do more than one or two takes because he's pretty confident in what he does and he likes to keep it honest and natural and real. Yeah. And he did two takes of that scene that you were talking about and Coppola came over and he's like, okay, let's do one more. And in his head, he's thinking, God, you know what? I got it. I mean, we've got it in the can. I, I, I don't know that I can do any more than what I've already done. And then when they took a break and Brando said something and something clicked in him and the scene that made the cut that you were referring to, that's the, that's that fourth take of that scene where he gets that little tear in his eye and he gets a little, a little choked up. Uh, and so I just think that's just, I mean, I, I was going to speak to, it's amazing that they do that. And I love that that was a scene that you pick because that's the scene that stands out to me as well. But especially for Brando's, just his reaction to look yep. what they did to my boy. Yeah. Uh, is just, I mean, you can only hope to be that good. Um, I think that my understanding, if I remember correctly, this was one of Pacino's first films, if not the biggest role he'd had to date, because he was coming from New York. He was mm -hmm. coming from the stage. He was a, a stage actor yes. to start, yep. right? The and, studio didn't uh, want him. Studio didn't want him. Studio didn't want Brando. Right. Uh, they actually, this is what this fascinated me uh, on the, they showed a screen test of Martin Sheen. Yes. The studio wanted or Michael Corleone. The studio wanted Martin Sheen. They wanted Robert Redford. They wanted Ryan O'Neill. They wanted Ryan sexier Warren Beatty. Star appeal. Yeah. yeah. And then at one point they even had uh, James Caan yeah. test for Michael Corleone uh, because they just didn't think they could get what they wanted from uh, from Pacino. It was just uh, that that special features was just fascinating to watch. Even also just to see the way there's this great little scene where they're getting ready to, sh to run a, uh, to run a take and, and Coppola grabs this thing that literally is the size of a microwave or a toaster. It's this literally this black and white box, the size of a toaster that is his feed to the camera. And he puts on his headphones and he grabs the toaster and he puts it in his lap. And so he's watching the scene there Whereas in today's world, it's all, you know, wireless and digital and, and Bluetooth and the video village is all the way on the other side of the lot. And the people are and it's live feeding right to the producers that can talk about it in the moment. But just to see the way they were even making this movie back then in the 70s with no without the technology they have today yeah. Is, yeah. is fascinating. Have you ever seen the Godfather saga? No. So it's a version of the films of of Godfather Part One and Godfather Part Two, where they show them in chronological order. So as you know, Godfather Part Two mirrors Michael and um, Tito and his father's lives at at at, at their part their, at their time in their lives. But it it shows the films in chronological order where they 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 go back and forth. It's no lie. It's like an eight hour ordeal, but it is it, it cuts the movie up in in a in a way that um, it is a unique experience. I've only watched it once because it's so long and it's just so involved. And it's also uh, the director's cuts of each film. Oh, sure. So there's there's just there's different stuff. So like at the end of 
at the end, the dinner, the dinner scene at the end of the first one where it's the fought where it's uh, Vito's birthday and they're bringing the dinner and they're bringing the birthday cake in where Michael tells them at the dinner table before his, before Vito comes in that he's going to the Marines and Sonny gets all mad and he comes over the table and says, what are you going to kill your father on his birthday? And then he takes the, the cake and it's rum cake and he puts it in Tom Hagen's face and it kind of, they all go back to normal, but that happens before anything. So that's actually the opening scene of this movie, of this oh, wow. film, the Godfather saga. So I would encourage you if you can get your hand. Sometimes they show it on like AMC and stuff. Um, it was very, on HBO it, Max, correct? It's 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 somewhere. Yeah. But you know, if if you got nine hours to kill, <laughs> <laughs> I I would encourage you to take a look at it. Which I do all the time. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> and I got to say, a lot of the stuff you just said, Michael, the, the especially the kind of Pacino saga going back and forth. Like, I, I do I do not want to give out any spoilers for this at all whatsoever, but it touches on a lot of that stuff. And just the offer. Passion, yeah, and the offer and the passion between uh, Mario Puzo and Coppola, because they both wrote the script together. At first, yep. Puzo was brought on to do it. He couldn't do it. He's like, I need Coppola to, you know, to help me out and kind of seeing that camaraderie and and everything else. And also, too, for the time, not only was this a movie that was, a, you know, one of the very first national releases in, in film history. This was also one at the time, the one of the longest movies of all time, too. They were all an hour and a half, two hours long. And and they fought to keep it at two and a half hours long. They tried to cut out even more than what was originally cut out. And uh, Al Ruddy, and it's really more about Al Ruddy. It's really based on his experience. Like, mm. and he, you know, he's still around. He's one of the executive producers on the show. Miles Teller does a great job playing this character, but it was Ruddy Coppola, the crew just being like, look, it's gotta be two and a half hours. If we take out any more, it's not going to make sense. Does the so. show, does the offer touch on Coppola's book? Have you guys ever seen anything about the book that Coppola made when he broke down the novel and literally took the novel out and made it's a binder that's wow. like eight inches thick uh -huh. and he takes out pages, every single page from the novel mm -hmm. and he attaches another piece of paper over it in a frame and glues it and grommeted it and underlines everything and literally verbally storyboards his movie uh -huh. from the novel. And that's what he takes with him on the set when he's going to shoot the movie because oftentimes just what was in the book was more important visually than what they could storyboard or put in the screenplay. And so he's like, nope, here's what we're going for. This is what I want. And he talks about the pitfalls of the scene and how to avoid the pitfalls of the scene and what the tempo needs to be and who the characters are and the lighting and the climax of each scene. It's, it's fascinating. Wow. So if you have access to your special features DVD and the previous box set, <laughs> yeah. that's where you can check out Coppola's book. Like that thing will be in some sort of Smithsonian Hall of Fame. Like it has to be. Like it probably is already. Yeah, but it is fascinating to see the way he puts that thing together uh, in creating this movie. I'm really glad you said that, Michael, because I was I was going to ask, do directors nor because it. I did not know that. So in the show, you actually see this gigantic binder that he walks around on set with. And I was going to ask, is this something normal? I mean, granted, it was a different time then that directors normally have. So, no, it definitely shows it in, in, the, in the show, but I had no idea. Oh, yeah, that's that's an, an actual real thing that Coppola made and put together. I mean, I don't I'm not a director by trade. And people ask me, why? Why won't you ever direct? And because I don't 
I have a hard time seeing the big picture in the way the director has to see the entire world. For me, I'm a little narcissistic and I like to just figure out where I live in the world. Uh, but I really think that that's what he was doing. And having worked with several directors, they all have different ways of going about it. And I think technology based, that was just how he chose to do it. I've, I mean, other directors I've worked with will use a Pinterest board and some of them will create a journal and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, none of that stuff was available back then. Sure. You know, electronically. So it was literally this, I mean, just underlined and notes. And the, the fascinating part was. He had this couple of pages where I'm trying to think of the specific scene in general. It might have been the causeway, Sonny's Sonny's execution. I can't remember which one specifically, but he would circle all of these highlighted points within the actual book and draw these lines to the margins and talk about what it meant or what it needed to be or how it needed to look. And the way he knew that this was an important part of the scene or needed to make sure important part of the movie was how many lines were on the page. And so there got to a place where you couldn't actually read the actual book itself. And instead, you were just looking at his notes because he had so many notes going all over the place that this went this way. It was, it was really interesting to see that. That is fascinating. All together. Yeah. I'd wow. love, 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 love to see that. Um, I'm sure it's somewhere. Yeah. Some, some, somewhere on display. It's got to be. Michael. Yes. Does this movie get made today? Yes. Okay. That that's one thing that that you know with the state of Hollywood and look this is from an outside perspective. So you're obviously in the industry so you've got more insight than I do. But I feel like there are fewer and fewer movies being made. Less less and less is actually at the cinema. I mean maybe maybe sure. it's an HBO maybe it's an HBO Max or a Netflix or or something like that but you know I I guess where I'm going with this is the it feels like over the last definitely since covid but over the last maybe 5 years or so the studios are taking less and less risk with the films that they're that they're giving budgets to and putting in the theaters and this to me obviously with the offer and everything else i mean this was this was a huge risk right they wanted Lawrence Olivier they didn't want Marlon Brando they wanted all the people that you talked about for uh, even Jack Nicholson was on that list for the, for the Michael Corleone character. I mean, could this maybe today in 2022, it just got to the point where the studio was like, you know what? I, I don't need this bullshit. I'm we're not we, cut it. Well, that's interesting because I think I would, in my, my opinion, I guess would say that it's not about, so there were a couple of moments in the, in the watching this, watching this movie back where there were some, references to race and some slurs and everything that I sure. was like, Oh yeah, you can't, you wow. can't make that reference today. But wow. other than that, I think the movie gets made. And so I wonder if we're in a place now where it's not about whether the movie gets made. It's that so many movies are getting made. Yeah. And they're just so going much to different platforms. produced. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so back at, you know, 50 years ago, studios, how many movies were they putting? I couldn't, I can't tell you 10, yeah. At the most, yeah, maybe. Right? Yeah. I don't know if you're putting out how many movies a year, whereas now there's so much content that it's really about saturate. You know, it's the Netflix uh, syndrome, right? We're going to put out as much things as we possibly can. And if one of them hits, we'll make all of our money back. Yeah, that and makes so, sense. And so I guess because we're so possibly oversaturated with, with material that it's hard to maybe see the godfather of the 21st century. 
like what is the movie what is that really sort of director storytelling simple acting honest sort of movie that really grabs you and i just think it's different now than it was then so in general yeah i think the movie gets made but if we're able to actually find it it might get lost in the shuffle who knows yeah now, just out of curiosity for for my knowledge and for our listeners out there, any any particular like and there's so many great performances, and you know, we're not trying to take away from that, but do you each have one particular character that you're just drawn to? That's just that that's that's my person right there. From their performance or just like for their performance in the movie. Like man, who you the, relate with. Yeah, or yeah, just who your favorite is as far hey, as on all of yeah. them. I know there's a lot, but as far as their performance in The Godfather and who, and then, you know, it can be, you can relate to, you just like them the best. No, I, for me, I think the standout performance for me is Robert Duvall. I I, I would agree. There you go. Just because he's so, his character and his demeanor and his presence on film and, and just everything that he, that that character brings to the story is so different than everybody else. Yeah. That it's so subtle and so simple that I, yeah, I was just like, oh, that's right there. I mean, you can't deny Pacino. You can't deny Brando. There are oftentimes where Talia Shire is a little over the top. Yeah. Uh, for me <laughs> and her screaming. And even, and, and I think James Conn encompasses the character really, really well and, and does that character justice given who Sonny is supposed to be in that storytelling. But I, yeah, hands down for me, just as far as the subtlety of acting, what I look for when I'm on film. It's Duvall and then Pacino. Yeah, especially, you know, during the wedding when Michael explains to Kay, you know, his last name's Hagen. Why is, how is he your brother? How basically yeah. he was just homeless and Sonny brought him home and he, he was, he was there from then on. Um, you know, that dynamic, they did a very good job of making him an outsider but completely part of the family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's Robert Duvall, his acting and his ability to um, you know, get get in the fold there. Um, you know, Brian would probably tell you that I'm the most like Sonny, but I think <laughs> that's a that's a lie. I you know, I'm I'm Pac- I'm Pacino, the boy who would be king, man. Come on. Like there's, <laughs> there's, there's of course I you know, I relate to him the most. Next. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, I actually, I, you can't read my handwriting, but Duvall, Dan Hagen, that, that that's my guy. Just cool, calm, collective. Just like Saba said, the outsider that was brought in as part of the family. Yeah. And it was when I, so one of the, my takeaways when I was 11 and 12, I remember asking my dad, what's a consigliere? And he's kind of like, he's like the godfather, but you know, to like, and he would relate him to like my, my godfather, you know what I mean? And, and things like that. It's like the, the trusted advisor of the family. And that's just something that, that that's always been a part of me. And that's what he, he embodies in the entire film, the, the voice of reason per se, even when Michael's like, Hey, listen, you know, Dan, we appreciate your help on this, but you're not a wartime consigliere. Or I think he said something along the lines yeah, of that's that. what he said. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just him having that demeanor, that calmness as, as a lawyer, even when he goes to visit the uh, director out in Hollywood, you know what I mean? It's uh, he just, <laughs> oh, that scene, his, that scene is just <laughs> Waltz. fascinating. Waltz. Yeah. No, he's so I, and I would... because he's, he's so, I mean, but he's, he's, 
he's so calm. Yeah. In his own way, right? And there's just this sort of power and this sort of threatening nature. There's just this air of confidence and ease to that performance that you're just like, I, I mean, I want to see a story about him. Yeah. What's the, get write me a Godfather part four and show me <laughs> that sequel. Uh, yeah, it's just it's so layered and so fascinating that you can't you can't help but be drawn into it. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Well, before we wrap up, Michael, I know you got a couple projects going on. Let the let the fans know we're going to air this next week, but we're going to be smack dab in the middle of your most current project. So let the world know what you got going on and what you got coming up. Uh, yeah, Roman. I'm playing Roman Calhoun on The Walking Dead. Uh, the final eight episodes of the flagship show, The Walking Dead, uh, started last night. And uh, that was my second to four. And so I will be appearing throughout the rest of the thing. I won't give you any more than that for NDA reasons. And I won't give you any more than that for you fans. So you so you don't know what may or may not be- befall me uh, in my time on that show. But that is, uh, that is where we're at right now. Uh, and then just coupled with, I, I tell you what, it's getting really busy, which I'm really excited about. So a lot of auditions going on. Uh, so hopefully the next time you have me on, I will uh, have more news to share other than just how my time spent on The Walking Dead. I will say, though, that uh, in preparation for watching last night's episode, they showed, oh, my God, there's there's a Daryl series coming. Mm-hmm. There's a Negan series coming. Yeah. There's a Rick and Michonne series coming. Yeah. There are all these series coming from this other thing. And all I can hope for was is that somehow – Roman Calhoun just appears. Just let me make it. Just let me make it. Right. You know what? Bring me back into somebody else's storyline, whether it be a prequel, you know, or a post thing or whatever it is. I just, I don't want my time on The Walking Dead to be done with this flagship series, but it's such a, it's such a great show to be a part of, uh, you know, in the way they've told their story for 11 years. And so, yeah, that's, that's where we're at right now. Congratulations, man! Yeah, seriously, congratulations for you, brother. So happy. I remember, I remember the first conversation that you had, that we had with you on the show. You just got into season two of Ozark after seeing you on season one, and I'll never forget it. Flathers being like, "Do you watch Ozark?" And I was like, "Oh hell yeah!" And he was like, "You know this character?" I was like, "Man, I love him!" And uh, you know, it's before we knew it, which is crazy. We didn't know each other, especially yeah. being in the service industry in Greensboro, where there's already yep. like zero degrees of separation. But it's always a blast to have you on, man. We're always, always rooting for you. The Walking Dead thing's fantastic. I got to tell you, I have watched Boss Level three times already. That is just such a fun, fun movie to watch. That movie is that. That's a great great movie. Yeah. 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 That was just fun to be a part of and uh, getting to hang out with those guys. I mean, I, I got to hang out and play with Rampage Jackson. Right. And, you know, if you're an MMA guy, I mean, what more? That guy's nuts. They're nuts. Those <laughs> MMA dudes are nuts. Sugar Shade Evans and Rampage Jackson. We just, I got to hang out and have a good time. That was really the cool thing about Joe Carnahan. Mm. Uh, I don't know about any of his other movies. And some of them that I've seen, I can only assume they're that way. But it's just, it's just a bunch of people getting together to have a good time. And yeah, let's roll camera. Let's just roll camera and have a good time and see what happens. And so that's really it was just kind of a kind of a big party, and it all kind of came together. And I'm glad that Hulu picked it up because it was touch and go there for a while that nobody was going to distribute it and put it out there. So I'm really glad it happened because I remember you brought it up. I think it might it might have been that same episode, either the first episode or second episode, 
And, uh, you know, especially a Mel, what is it? Mel Gibson, uh, Frank Grillo. Is, Frank, Frank Grillo. Frank, yep. yeah, Frank Grillo. And uh, I, I tell you, man, it is just such a fun watch. It really is. So, you know, if you have not, if you're listening and watching out there, Walking Dead, be sure to check them out. And, of course, on, on Hulu, Boss Level, many other things. Mike Torek on uh, IMDb. Yep. Check out his whole entire catalog. Check it out. Click on it. Follow me. <laughs> I know we're going to get to the point where one day Mike's going to text me back. He's going to be like, I'm going to need you to talk to my assistant so then we can book some right? episodes. Never. And that's I'm, they, no, I, I'm I here for you always. Always. <laughs> we appreciate that. We appreciate If anything, it. I'll tell my assistant, no, no, no. I got to go. I gotta go do this thing because these are these are my guys. They've been they've been they've been behind me since day one. So we love you, brother. I appreciate make it. Make sure make sure we stay on the bat line, man. We definitely absolutely. Appreciate it. Hey, I have to add one more thing before you sign yeah. us off. Oh, of I, only because I, so I was telling my parents that I was going to be on the show again last night, and that oh. we were going to talk about the show. And my mom shared with me, you know, this is the first movie you ever saw. Wow. And I went, oh. I'm sorry, what? Because I just turned fifty. I yeah. turned fifty in July. The big five zero. I, when I was born, yeah, my mom took me as a newborn to a drive-in movie theater in South Carolina to to watch The Godfather. Wow! Wow! So technically, I saw this movie when I was a month old. Talk so about you were, burying you were the lead, right? <laughs> so, well, I didn't know how to bring it up. I just wanted to share that late. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, no. I, I don't know. I don't know how podcast leads work. I'm just, I'm new to this whole <laughs> Neither thing. Neither do I. Neither do I. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I can always edit that out and put it there in the beginning. Give a big shout out to mom Dukes out there for, for letting Absolutely. you get some a month in. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. That's excellent. Well, listen, be sure again, check out Michael Tork. Michael, what is your, your social media spots for everybody? Check you out at besides just on IMDB. Uh, Instagram is the major one. And that's just at Michael Turek. There you go. Be sure to check them out on that. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, Believe Podcast Network, betonline.ag for all your sports betting needs and Red Cinemas for all your cinematic adventures here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, Be sure to like, subscribe, follow on all social media and podcast platforms. We appreciate the love and support, and uh, we will catch you next time. Peace. Peace. You guys hang out. And anger management? Fuck anger management. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.